This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Welcome back to another installment of Kongzilla Month. It is I, your co-host, Jordan Cruciola. And it's me, Amanda Smith. And I, I mean, I'm, I guess I'll like reserve a slight bit of judgment to decide whether or not Godzilla versus Kong is the cherry on the Sunday of all of this, because right now I want to say that we've arrived at the cherry on the Sunday of this whole experience with Godzilla, King of the Monsters, a fucking awesome monster movie. <laughs> so many monsters. So Just, like I logically so knew. I knew logically that there's like, I know that there's a lot of monsters in the Godzilla mm-hmm. universe. I know <laughs> that this movie is about Godzilla with all of the monsters. Mm-hmm. I still was not fully prepared for the ongoing quantity of monsters while also feeling like I could have used more. I, it's like it's like drugs. Yeah. It, you you your tolerance builds so quickly. And it's suddenly like, well, you said 17 at least. Mm-hmm. So What's the holdup here, guys? Yeah. Where are the others? I, like, and I, I was reading Matt Zollersites, who's one of my, he's one of my favorite people. Obviously, he's an amazing critic, but he's yeah. one of my favorite people to read about these movies specifically. Matt is such an, does such a tremendous job at blending, like, being a film historian and, like, a cinephile with being a man of the people. Yes. And I really appreciated his feedback on King of the Monsters, which got totally fucking, like, I'll be honestly like underrated, underappreciated. I'm so angry still. Um, He just takes the right approach to the thing that these movies are doing, the kind of fun and the kind of bombast. And what you have in the 2014 Godzilla when we're like restarting the monster verse is the very like somber. There's only, I think it's like, it's either 12 or 14 minutes of monsters in the entire movie. So little monster in that. Godzilla doesn't show up until halfway through the film. Yeah, and and like you get the mutos like walking mm-hmm. from like thirty thousand feet, and that's mm-hmm. that's honestly most what you see from them. And like I, that was very. I don't have a problem. It's not my preference, but I don't have a problem with it. It was a total stylistic choice. I get what I. It's whether it's Gareth Evans or Gareth Edwards, Gareth e- Edwards or Evans, um, who directed it. I always flip Gar- the two of them e- in my Edwards. head. Edwards, Edwards, Gareth Edwards. I, I completely respect what he was doing, but when it like recoups after that by being like, all right, we're going to go full as, as Matt Zollerside said, like Jules Verne in Mm -hmm. Kong Skull Island. And then like the response, I feel like that the studio has kept giving is like, all right. So the feedback we got from 2014 Zilla is more monsters. (laughs) So in King of the Monsters, it's just a fucking monster brawl for all. And it is, I, th- I may have said this when we were recording with Shay last week. I don't remember. I'll say it again. It was at the red carpet premiere of this one. Every- it's like people in their finery. Millie Bobby Brown looking absolutely gorgeous on the red carpet. Like directors in a suit. I didn't give a shit, man. I was literally standing and screaming at certain points in this movie. Because it is so exhilarating. And it's in- it was in the El Capitan Theater. 
No, it was in the Chinese theater. It was the I was going to say, theater. it could have been El Capitan because yeah. they only do Disney, but yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> the only, yes, the mm-hmm. vertically integrated theater owned by Disney. <laughs> <laughs> They're currently playing Soul and Riot and the Last Dragon, yeah. obviously. That's, I went and to the first, I went to like the first screening of Pocahontas at the El Capitan and it was just, I was like 11 and it was so exciting. It's nice to know that that theater will always be open and always be in good repair because yeah. Disney will not ever be broke. <laughs> um, so it, it was at the Chinese theater. It was the whole dog and pony show on Hollywood Boulevard with the big like inflatable things mm-hmm. and the activations and all that shit. And I was hooting and hollering in this movie. I was having such a fun time. And it's not like, it's not the most bloated. I, I, it's not much more than two hours. Like this isn't a strap in for three hours of, you know, we're going to, we're going to drag this out. There's kind of always something happening with a monster because there are so many monsters while getting our little family plot sewn in there as well. Yes. But it is also a tender, it is a tender story of of a, a friendship that ends tragically between Ken Watanabe and Godzilla. It's also that. It's I, also oh. a, a man making peace with his demons in the form of Kyle Chandler making peace with Godzilla. There's a lot of, I do a lot of crying in the final third of this movie. Really? Okay. Yes. So yes, I, I do. I had not watched the first Godzilla before I had seen this film. Ah, okay. So I watch it, and first of all, I start out really confused because I was just like, <laughs> "What the fuck is happening?" Because it opens with a flashback to San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. And this family, and I'm like, "Oh, I had to watch the first one to understand why Kyle Chandler has." hates Godzilla because yeah. clearly Kyle Chandler and Godzilla had something happen in the first film and yeah. I need the continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, so then going back and then the next night watching the original Gods- the t- 2014 Godzilla mm-hmm. and realizing that this film killed the original cast. Yeah. Because I didn't realize. So then when I was like, wait, what the fuck? Wait, Ken Watanabe's in this? So they killed him in the- and then they right. did and they just yeah. had her get eaten? Uh-huh. They just had her get eaten. Oh, like Sally Sally Hawkins? Yeah. Sally oh, Hawkins that's just what, gets eaten. That's a, at least Ken Watanabe goes out with like a glorious, yeah. poignant ceremony. Sally Hawkins just, she is like, she's just like, if you had a chessboard in front of you and you just fucking slapped a piece off the board, she's gone. She's just She's gone. just fucking gone. It was like, whoa. I okay. Was, I was made a bigger so deal confused. about that. Yeah. yeah. Going back and realizing, which like, I would argue that in both these films, Sally Hawkins was just completely underused and it was yeah like and both her and ken watanabe like i wanted when <laughs> watching the set watching godzilla i was like oh fuck wait he's a whole ass main character yeah. we could have gotten so much more from him in both of these films and i would have been really happy right um but yeah so i didn't have quite the emotional poignancy that you had oh, because of the fact that i was just like <laughs> i didn't understand what? The I watched them out of order, and I watched them. I watched, I watched these movies in completely the wrong order, right? But it, well, since you no, watched Kong, Kong Skull Island before any of them, yeah. technically, in that sense, you did watch it in the right order. Yes, because you get the beginning of Monarch, you get yeah. the origin story. But technically speaking, I probably should have watched them in completely in the inverted order. It's right, still a sure. great fucking time, though. Can't argue with that. I mean, it's, a it's great still time. Godzilla stomping things. I love it. I don't care. I I. You know, as far as reality index goes, uh, to me, everything is real. This movie's true. It's a documentary. It's a nature <laughs> documentary. And they found these monsters. This happened on Earth 2, uh-huh. where they filmed everything and killed everything. And then they came back and released the movie on Earth 1. We mm-hmm. apologize, Earth 2, for making you the guinea pig. Um, 
it looks even the it is I'm so impressed by how good this this the CGI looks in bright scenes yes. in like daylight scenes how good King Ghidorah looks yeah. in daylight is shocking how good Rodan looks in daylight is shocking Rodan I looks hope- so cool with the flaming wings so oh hell yeah fucking like, cool I-, I love my volcano king yes I I know I know and when he comes out of that volcano mm-hmm. And this movie, you you know what this movie has that few movies are willing to give you? Not one, not one Ziyi Zhang. It gives you two Ziyi Zhangs. I'll be briefly for the second one. But it gives you twin monarch, third generation monarch researchers Mm -hmm. in in Ziyi Zhang. And that is tremendous. Yeah. I mean, that, like, it gives you, it gives you Bradley Cooper being your one-liners guy. Jordan, do you know who they based his character off of? And, And it explains now why I hated it so much. Oh, okay. He was heavily inspired by Rick Sanchez, as in Rick and Morty. Like that was the character arc. They were like, he's gonna be the Rick, he's gonna be inspired by Rick Sanchez. I read this on the Wikipedia. And I was like, oh, that's why Bradley huh. that's why he feels like an entirely different he's from an entirely different movie. Because every right. time he would speak, I'd be like, What what fucking film are you <laughs> like where are you coming? Like he and Thomas yes. Middleditch, every time they'd pop up, I'd be like, what is this is not the same movie that everyone else is acting in currently. There was not nearly enough Thomas Middleditch dying in this movie. Uh, not like the way we could have traded yeah. Sally Hawkins for Thomas Middleditch I, in the beginning of this movie. He should have been Toe Jam, and I am in agreement on that. That is a hundred, but like it would have been so easy. I mean, Jordan, I, that's, I, I, that just spoiler alert in my casting, I fixed that. <laughs> good, good. Um, I I love that we I. I love Millie Bobby Brown in this. I love when Millie Bobby Brown gets to be a teenager. Yes. When Millie Bobby Brown <laughs> gets to play a vulnerable teenager, um, when she gets to have lines, unlike I mean, I get I get what I get eleven in Stranger Things, but like weirdly in Stranger Things 3, they regressed eleven, like to pre-season one levels of verbalness. Like for some reason, the more she socialized and having a boyfriend. Uh, the less she was able to communicate in the last Because season. of the patriarchy, Jordan. That's why. She I got mean, a boyfriend, then she was like, oh, if I talk, then he won't like me. The patriarchy. I get it and now. And I, I, what underscores that is the fact that season three of Stranger Things is 100% about shitty boyfriends. Yeah. Everyone's a shitty boyfriend in season three of Stranger Things. God, what a walk back. But like, to I think Millie Bobby Brown might be one of our foremost actors today in acting opposite a dangly tennis ball. Yes. I think she really might be one of the best we have at acting opposite a tennis ball in front of nothing. This girl has a fucking talent. Yeah. For having nothing to go off of, but being an incredibly emotionally in-tuned performer. She 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 gives it all to you. And I just I appreciate Millie Bobby Brown in this movie so much. And I look forward to more. I really hope. Godzilla versus Kong let's like Millie have like even more like make her yeah. fully you know maybe not an- anti anti heroine not even antagonist Vera Farmiga like let her ascend to that level oh I want her to be riding on Kong's shoulder by the end of it exactly like, she will exactly like, not King Kong falling in love like again King Kong treating no. her like he like she's a little a little field mouse he's like well that's <laughs> really cute come on yes. up here little Millie Bobby Brown field <laughs> yeah. mouse and hops yes. her up on his shoulder and he like she just rides around mm-hmm Completely. Like to, Completely. to quote the film, 
you want to make Godzilla your pet? No, we would be his. And that's what I've been saying this whole goddamn this time. What you have been saying. Yeah. This is what you have been saying. We we should just be King Kong's pet. And if Godzilla wants in on that, he can get in on that. I'll scratch his belly. Like yeah. I'll be a little I'll I will be his little like his little kind of tiny pocket friend. Sure. Yeah. I trust him. I trust him. I trust Guy Godzilla. I you know what? Like one, this movie, I every movie feels like it doesn't have enough Godzilla. And that's a that's a main thing for me. Sure. Um and but when Godzilla at the end mm-hmm. eats like I think it was I think he eats the um uh I'm always I always screw up how to say this because I always just say Godzilla Ghidorah's head. Oh yeah, yeah. And he gives a little like, mmm, that was tasty wiggle. Yeah, yes, yes. His little satisfied, what a good little bite wiggle was. <laughs> I I am I just I was so taken in that moment. <laughs> um beyond just being like, man, Godzilla's fucking cool, but then I was like, yes, I want a I want to just see Godzilla's home life. Yeah. I just want to see Godzilla doing basic tasks every day. Like, I just want to God, well, I want to watch Godzilla groom himself for six hours. I would be <laughs> yeah. totally content watching it's Godzilla. It's like a puppy cam. Yeah. It's like having a it's like having a cam in the zoo where you just leave it on at work and it's just there in the corner. It you know, the first month of March, I just watched the jellies cam from right. um, yeah, like last during quarantine, I just put the jellies cam on every day <laughs> for an entire month while I dealt with the fact that I was stuck at home. And I gotta say, man, one, very soothing. But also, I would do that with a Godzilla cam. I just watch imagine, a map. Imagine Godzilla tumbling around like a panda. Imagine oh Godzilla God. just rolling like a little ball Ooh, down a his hill. his little feet. <laughs> <laughs> with his crazy proportions. <laughs> just flopping around in his casual time. Trying to, trying to lick his back to get the last of the scales he's trying to shed off. Exactly, exactly. It's just the follies of of awkward Godzilla. Oh my god. I I I get really bummed like cuz there's the tragedy of Ken Watanabe's oh. expiring in this movie. But the a the Delroy Lindo-esque death. It, it really is. Yeah. And it like it also there's a moment where like it's doing the right thing. We're going down to recharge Godzilla cuz mm-hmm. he's been hit by the anti-oxygen bomb that we yeah. launched at him and Ghidorah. Ghidorah's fine because Ghidorah is not of this earth. But Godzilla takes a serious hit and he has to go down to his nuclear cave to recharge in his amazing Godzilla palace. Mm-hmm. And then we just like, we help him, but we also fully fucking blow up his house. Yeah. And it was like, oh no, we just definitely killed like we definitely just destroyed Godzilla's sanctuary. Yeah. <laughs> That's Godzilla- not, this is this is older than fucking time. <laughs> we definitely just blew it up. It's not coming back. It's gone. No. It's gone. Uh, I mean we couldn't have just like opened up the cap on the bomb or something. No, we had to fully set it off to give him Yeah. It couldn't be like here, swallow this. Yeah, like here's a, a like pill. a pill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was even shaped like medicine. Yeah. Like here's a pill you can swallow, Godzilla. We had to blow up a nuke around Godzilla. I mean, the fact that I love these movies for those moments where you get the like, it's like the David Caruso take off your sunglasses moment where you have Kyle Chandler going, how many nukes you got? (laughs) And like, it's like, oh, fuck yeah, man. And like there, this movie has the audacity to have Kyle Chandler at one point say, my God. And Bradley Whitford finished the line. 
saying, my God, Zilla. He follows yep. God with Zilla. And because, as you said, whatever movie he's in, that's what we're doing. Yeah. But just like, I love the idea that they fucking shot that. Oh, yeah. They shot, they were like, get ready, guys. Today's that scene. Like, tr- and every line delivery from Charles Dance in this movie. <gasps> Charles. Every one of them. Jordan, so can I give you my headcanon about Charles Dance's character? <laughs> yes. Because this this character has such a rich interiority based on like a half a dozen lines. There's a whole mythology there. You know who he is? Oh no, who? He's ja- he's he's James Conrad having given a new name after <laughs> he has to slip out from under because he has all of the camera footage. From oh Kong God. Skull Island. Oh my God. And so he goes off that. the grid, adopts a new name, becomes an eco terrorist, mm-hmm. having been inspired by his time on Skull Island, and ages into Charles Dance. I couldn't blame him. I couldn't blame him. What could radicalize you more right. than Skull Island? That's, the, that's what I'm talking like about. I feel like we were deprived by not getting Charles Dance with a samurai sword. <laughs> yeah. Why not? We should have had it. He should have just been carrying around that that sword, and when and when Emma's like, "What's the deal with the sword?" He'd be like, "It's a long story." Yeah, yeah. and then like you get the little Marvel Comics asterisk in the bottom that tells you like, "Go see, read Avengers seven fourteen, which is like, right. but instead they say like, "Go watch Skull Island." You mm-hmm. missed out on it. It yeah. really is better than you think. You missed out. On, you missed out on this. Yeah, the fact that Charles Dance deigned to be here is incredible. Oh yeah. I'm so glad he did. And I love the slow reveal of Vera Farmiga being in cahoots, of Vera Farmiga being, I love that they call it like an eco-terrorist. Yes. Like, because the, I feel like the, an, an ultimate reality index situation about King of the Monsters is the fact that she was right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is the fact that like they didn't anticipate not being able to control Monster Zero. They didn't anticipate not being able to control Ghidorah. Yeah. And him like calling out to all the monsters to rise at once and destroy the world. But the whole plan of uh, we need to unleash the monsters because in their wake, the radiation they leave behind creates incredibly fertile ground for the for the world to repair itself. As we see mm-hmm. when Monster Battle ends, Ghidorah's gone and all the monsters bow to Godzilla in Boston. Well, then we get the epilogue of news footage where it's like vegetation coming back. Is there something that's like the Amazon rainforest heals itself? Like yeah. in the end, she say she did exactly what she said she was there to do, which is save the world. Yeah. I I liked the reveal of I, I love the reveal that she was that this was her plan the whole time, and, and that she's kind of made her daughter complicit. Yeah, I well, so the I think it only works because Millie Bobby Brown is so compelling on screen. Agreed, because that she could have really easily turned into a terrible disaster movie teen. Yes, real, just real, real thin line there. Um, yes, yes. When when Kyle Chandler is on the walkway. Yelling at her to for Emma for Madison to come with him, and yes. she like decides, no, no, I'm gonna stay with Mom, the eco terrorist, and the guys yeah. I'm scared of with the guns. Yes, despite my dad because mm-hmm. I'm 13. Mm-hmm. It felt very believable. It did, but also I was like, wow, if this this is reality index, yes, in terms of whether or not this character should be awful. Uh huh. This this character is way more awful than the movie 
thinks the character is awful, but fortunately, it, it, <laughs> but it has Millie Bobby Brown, so it's saved. Like there is that confrontation between her and her mom when when Millie finally realizes, yeah. like, oh no! Like I love when Charles Dance's character is like, "What lie did Mommy sell you about this?" Like, you know, <laughs> did she tell you it was going to be utopia with man and monster living together? And he's just like, and he, you know, and she's like, "Don't bring Mom's like, don't bring her into this." And Charles Dance is like, "Why not? You did first. Yeah, and it's like, ooh, fair, super fair, Vera." And he's just like telling this girl what's what and then she sees that like her mom is gonna hit because they have she has the technology Mm -hmm. this this thing called the orca which her and her husband it sounds like initially built together estranged husband kyle chandler built together which was meant to like recreate the frequency of whale calls for science reasons they explained it i forget why well she after san francisco and the events of the first kaiju attack decides that she's gonna rebuild the orca because they they deconstructed at one point and she was going to use it to harness the power of like animal call frequencies to basically control these control the kaiju control the titans yeah and so that's how she starts awakening certain kaiju like rodan and then they that's how they get Ghidorah out they like blow up his ice big encasement down in antarctica because it's got to be antarctica mm-hmm. they blow up his big ice encasement he gets out i Thoroughly, in, I thoroughly enjoyed the confrontation in the hall. Millie realizes the blooms off the rose about her mom, and they have that like fight in the hallway mm-hmm. that they're having. And I was like, "This is a really good mother daughter fight." Like, I, I feel, I feel how sincerely betrayed this teen is right now. She's a great crying actor. Yes, Millie Bobby Brown is a great crying actor, and I just, I, she does because the disaster child is so often the weakest link in these movies. To have such an MVP in that slot is yeah. such a it, it really lifts it really takes the potential and brings it up that much higher because you won't have to worry about this person being an insufferable liability every time they are on screen. True, absolutely true. I you know by the way, in terms of the reality index of it, mm-hmm. can we just discuss how fucked up it is that mom was like, ah, oh, yes, the day that the eco terrorists, that's bring your daughter to work day. That is, well, that had to have been orchestrated because like they were yeah. meant to be abducted together. That's Why? super fucked up. Why? Why was she, like, she knows that these guys, that one, that they're going to, she knows there's a liability in place of like, they're going to have to blow the, the, what's it called? Force field or whatever that's around Mothra's egg nest sack yeah so she knows they've got to blow that so there's a a liability there we don't know what's going to happen with it she knows these guys are going to come in shooting she doesn't Mm -hmm. know where her daughter is going to be through this whole process Mm -hmm. but she still is like well you know acceptable risk here i want to bring my daughter along show her how what mom does for work i i'm not i'm not saying it was i'm not defending the choice but i think it was knowing that when they left home that day they were never going home again so it was like, well, I can't leave her alone at home. And she's coming with me and we're building the new world together because she hates her ex so much. She doesn't apparently. even want a kid emailing with him. So she, apparently. So she instead makes her complicit in a terrorist plot and subjects her to pos- possible death. She does do yeah. – She that's a big choice. That is a, a real fucking really choice. Reckless. But really it is, reckless. But it is a choice that can only be made by an actor – by a character played by Vera Famiga. It's like true. if anybody's going to be in a situation where it's like, well, 
She's going to do something that could potentially be an incredibly bad decision parenting wise. <laughs> yes. You want Vera Farmiga in that role. She's so good at that. She's so good at being a parent who isn't who who willingly endangers their child and creates unhealthy relationships. <laughs> That's that is her skill set. That really is. It really is her skill set. But yeah, as as soon as once I realized that I was sitting there I was like backtracking and doing all the math on it and I was like, "Wait, she this wasn't a co- she chose she brought mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, oh no, she knew exactly what was happening, and that's why her yeah. daughter is with her today. Yeah. Oh, she's going to bring her daughter. She was like, Yes, let's bring the child to Antarctica. This is <laughs> yes. good. I should let me traumatize my daughter by holding her at gunpoint. This'll be great for this will be a character building experience. Well, and I like how it keeps us because like we're we're like, oh no, I can't believe she's like, because it's these are bad choices that she's made. It's like, man, that's fucked up. Like the, her like Vera and her daughter in this situation but then even when you realize that Vera's in on the plot you're not quite sure where Millie stands on it yet so you're like oh no she's been lying to her daughter and then you realize she's been semi honest with her about the whole thing and it's like so you were inculcating your child into a terrorist organization yeah it doesn't matter if she was lying to her daughter or being honest the child is 13 like yes she can't do anything legally. She can't get a student loan, let alone rent <laughs> yeah. a car, let alone make the decision to join yeah. a terrorist organization that is set upon yeah. unleashing monsters upon the world. Yeah. Like, yeah. This it's is true. not a situation that she, even with all of the facts, mm-hmm. is prepared to make those decisions about. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. I And I love like exactly what Shay brought up in the Skull Island episode. You have to have the moment where you touch the monster. Yes. And I'm so glad that this movie starts with Millie Bobby Brown touching the monster. Yes. It's like we're going to give you this immediately and it's going to be our first monster touch. Mm-hmm. And it's her and Mothra. It gets close. It gets really close. And I – I love the ceremony that Mothra is given in this movie. Oh, it is so I love the like ritual treatment of of what Mothra, how Mothra is honored in this movie. Yes. Like the ser- like every moment that Mothra appears on screen mm-hmm. is like epic in a really somber way. It's like, ah, uh, everybody, a moment of silence for Mothra. Like when we <laughs> see Mothra in the larva mm-hmm. and Mothra comes out of the larva and just radiating that blue light and with its little like like it's little like almost like little dog sounds mm-hmm. that it makes. And then, you know, almost touching, almost the monster touch with Millie Bobby Brown. And then the incredible shot when we just see, when we know that like Mothra gets like follows, she doesn't get, Mothra doesn't get taken. Queen of the monsters doesn't get taken anywhere, but they cue up Mothra's like sonic frequency on the orca. So Mothra follows them, follows the Mm eco-terrorists to the location that they're going to and goes to like cocoon up again behind a waterfall oh the and i love the look we waterfall see, the look we see at like the security camera that's watching mothra where we just see her little head come through the waterfall before <laughs> she like retreats back underneath it where she's gonna go just eight before she becomes full mothra not baby mothra and then like i remember when the trailer came out that incredible like three seconds they give you where Mothra's coming out with the from the waterfall and the wings mm-hmm. spread. And then when you watch it happen in, in the movie in real time, it's like, wait, guys, something's happening. And they all, like, walk out in the rain mm-hmm. and you just, you're watching the waterfall and, like, the lights get kind of blown out for a second. And then you just hear the, like, whale bird noises of Mothra coming out from the waterfall as the wings expand. Because mm-hmm. Mothra 
Mothra's got to go find fucking Godzilla. Yes. They have a symbiosis. They have a partnership. Because at this point, Ghidorah is free. Ghidorah has parked himself on top of Rodan's volcano, made all other monsters subservient to him, and through his like call he's projecting, is sending all the monsters out into the world to destroy absolutely everything. But you know who didn't answer that call? Mothra. Nope. Mothra was like, I don't care about the biological imperative that I have to answer this frequency. Fuck you. I don't, I answer to no man. <laughs> and instead, Mothra comes out of the fucking waterfall, spreads her wings. And I think, I think, is that, is it, is it Dr. Is it Z Zhang's twin? Is it the Z Zhang twin who says that moment? Like, queen of the monsters. Like, they yeah. announce her as she arrives. So they're, they, at this point, they're in like their stealth bomber, Team Kyle Chandler and mm-hmm. the Monarch Squad, and they're looking for any sign of life of Godzilla because he's been anti-oxygen bombed. He has fallen to the bottom of the sea. They, his sign of life is so freight, so faint they can't find him. Well, then from the fucking heavens, Mothra appears as only a brilliant ball of light, like the sun has come and parked itself in our clouds and is like shining, shining her light through the world and sending out a frequency to contact Godzilla being like, are you okay? Are you out there? Where are you? I'm worried. And finally, they hear Godzilla call back. And they're like, okay, we can get a beat on him and we can go find him. And the fact that not only that Mothra and Godzilla are friends is that amazing. The fact that she acts in direct opposition to the orders of Ghidorah is fucking awesome. Which all sets up for Mothra's tragic demise. Which is one of the parts where I cried. Yeah. Mothra, when I felt like we did not get enough Mothra. We didn't. We didn't. didn't That's a point against this movie. That is, that was definitely like, and I didn't. I didn't know how much I was going to want more. Like, it just, she was so pretty. She was so pretty. You can just, like, in, like, like, let Diego Luna touch Yaba. Yeah. Like, let us all touch Mothra. Yeah. Like, Like, I 100% get why, like, there could be a cult centered around Mothra. Oh, yeah. Just what a soothing, soothing presence, that giant, horrifying, like, in in reality, horrifying. Giant, giant glowing moth. Yeah, yeah. I don't one of the few things I have like a visceral fear. Like I can I'll see a big spider and be like, whoa, gonna get away from you. If there's a moth in my house, I will flip out. I hate moths. They scare me. They scare the shit out of me. The blind just flying everywhere. Yeah, they're just, they're, no matter they're, what you say about them being blind, no, they always find your eyes and want to fly into your <laughs> eyes. They're fucking just moths. They're just fucking chaos. The, like, the they're problem, chaos. Moths are little chaos insects. Like they, they, are. they are just frenzied and chaotic. And they it's, make me so uncomfortable. So this is, in, I did not know this about you, but fascinating to know that. <laughs> yeah. But it's and like, we don't but, even have big bugs on the West Coast no. that are scary. Like places in the, I think it was like, I met a guy from, I knew a guy from Michigan once who told me about like gypsy moths. Oh, gypsy moths are huge. They're but, like the size of a man's hand. Yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, we have those back home. I was like, that's fucking evil. I would move for that reason alone. Yeah. No, they. And here I'm like, yeah, I love Mothra. But, th- but Mothra is such, but that's what's so funny is that Mothra, by contrast to the to the chaos energy of, of our moths, yeah. Mothra is like the most soothing spa music presence yeah. one could ever imagine. Mothra, she's, Mothra she's is. She's style and she's grace. She's, <laughs> you know, she really is. The but elegance. It, it truly, like that is, that was an elegant swanning in sort of, most, <laughs> like, 
Mothra, Mothra is sort of the the elegant sort of going down the steps in slow motion. <laughs> yeah. One would hope. But um And Mothra gives us another quintessentially Bradley Whitford moment where Kyle Chandler, when Mothra arrives to sing her song to Godzilla, mm-hmm. um, he Kyle Chandler's like, Are you recording this? And Bradley Whitford's like, I record everything. Yeah. <laughs> and then a pause and then just goes, everything. everything. And Kyle Chandler just has a moment where he looks at him like what does that mean? Yeah. Like, and then we cut back to Mothra because this movie lets us have those moments of humor, it which I do really appreciate. Such, everyone in that scene reacts to it with the appropriate degree of weirded out disgust. Yes. Now I do. So Bradley Whitford was in a TV show called Flack, which was That's right. Mm-hmm. A, a, it's a British show about like a PR person and it's Anna. What's her name? Fly away home, um, Paquin. Paquin, thank you. Oh yeah, the, yeah, because pa- well, Flack is on right now. Yeah, right? yeah. I've it's only like seen the, on Amazon. Yeah, I've only seen the first season, and he yeah, plays like, like. Guess what, guys? Publicists are psychotic drug addicts. Yeah, exactly. It's publicist <laughs> but sexy. It's yeah, yeah. I will reserve my comments about that particular show for the text <laughs> threads I have with my friend Sarah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so but he on that plays like a. It ends up being revealed that he is – he has a ton of child porn, basically. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's this whole it, – it, it's a whole thing. Anyway, so that character – not – he's playing a character who has a computer filled with child porn. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that his vibe in that is so similar to his vibe in this. Oh. But I was just like, everything about this is weird and wrong. And his – Yeah. When he plays weird, it's just too much for me. And it, it's, it's very – When he plays weird, like, he – the weird is – seeps out of all of him it's somehow like too eccentric to be real but utterly believable yeah it's kind of like i don't know man is this just you like it's very it's it's very effective when bradley whitford plays plays weird yeah yeah no his his eccentric isn't lovably eccentric it's not like a (laughs) it's not like a a christopher lloyd eccentric (laughs) yeah it's, it's kind of threatening yeah it's a real cocaine eccentric (laughs) like it's a real cocaine energy to it that i'm not I'm not super on board with. So I think that was why when he's like, I record everything, everything. I was like, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want any of this. Um, so everyone reacting suitably just like disgusted and horrified to that little moment was was actually very satisfying to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. And I this, you know, and this is why you cast a Thomas Middleditch is to be a kind of like reviled character like that's the whole point Mm -hmm. he's supposed to be the square peg and everything i really enjoy the ways in which this movie undermines him and they feel very real to me like when kyle chandler's like we need to open like the pod bay doors of this ship because we need to rescue this other helicopter and he's like i'll like i'm gonna go fix it and he's like doesn't know where to go and Mm -hmm. so thomas middle just stands up and he's like i'll take you and he just looks around goes and anyone else And he's like, no, I, I know how. And so he takes him to the room and it's fine. And then later when, like, there are more Titans arising. Yeah. They, like, they, you know, they look to Zi Zhang, who's, like, their historian and all this. She is the mythologist and for Monarch, which is a mythologist. job. I want that job. That there is, sounds like a perfect job for you. Like, if I can just be an on-staff mythologist for people, mm-hmm. please. Like, that's already <laughs> yeah. basically a hobby of mine. Let me do that. 
I yeah, it's her job to like pour through the annals of history and find the like mm-hmm. find the mythological context that's actually probably the real recorded history of these kaiju of these titans. And so like, you know, they they ask, you know, what do they call it? She says Ghidorah, the the one who is many. And Kyle Chandler's like, what did she say? And Thomas Middleditch says gonorrhea, to which we get the great moment of Z Zang turning around and saying Ghidorah, like <laughs> yelling at him. It's like, yes, please let her yell at him right now. <clears throat> yeah. Least believable thing is that someone didn't just fucking feed him to Godzilla. Oh yeah, no, he should have. He should have. He should have been a snack. He should have been red shirted. That should have been. He should have been ripped apart by three Ghidorah heads. They're, like that's like, that's just the the right move in that film. In these kinds of movies, you don't really get like indiv- like in Kong Skull Island, you do because there are individual soldiers like attacking mm-hmm. Godzilla. But these movies aren't really about these titans like picking up people and eating them like snacks. But we do get in this movie the amazing moment of the very unfortunate fighter pilot who ejector seats himself directly into the mouth oh of Rodan. Oh my god, that was brutal. That was that was tough. I felt very bad for that guy. That was tough. Right into the mouth of Rodan, yeah. the lava monster. Really tough break. I love that like I love that they're I do love their plan. When when Rodan is coming out of the volcano and they're like we've got to evacuate the town, but like most of these people are going to die. And their plan is like, "All right, there's a this is such a cool fact, the cool detail too. And they're like, oh, well, we lost road, we lost um, Ghidorah in the hurricane mm-hmm. that's over here, that's over this part of the ocean. Turns out Ghidorah is the hurricane <laughs> and he's a flying lightning storm. So flying lightning storm is headed to Rodan when he starts erupting from this island mm-hmm. because he has to go, there's a new... There's a new monster emerging and he's like, I'm going to shut this shit down right now and I'm just going to let people know who's in charge. So their plan is like, we've just got to draw Rodan away from the island long enough for people to get away. We'll lead him straight to Ghidorah, which is an amazing plan. You know what we're going to do? We're going to lead this monster into a fight with a monster six times his size. And you know what Rodan does when he sees Ghidorah? He's like, I'm going to fuck this guy up. Like he approaches Ghidorah with the conviction of a winner and gets his ass kicked. And then we get that great moment once the establishment, the dominance is established of Ghidorah over Rodan. And Ghidorah parks himself with his three heads and his wings and his like multiple tails atop that mountain that's still spewing fire. And we see Rodan like prostrate himself before Ghidorah. And the amount of just like interpersonal monster relations mm-hmm. we get in this movie in this way is one of my favorite things about it. So I love that. I feel like this movie is a very good entry point for somebody who wants to get super into the world of wrestling. Like watching That's this point. Watching this film was like I I got into um there's a, a sh- there was a show called Lucha Underground. Oh yeah, yeah. A, I, I'm yeah. aware of it. I've not watched it. Yeah, for a, I don't know if it's still on because I've I've since stopped watching it. But for a little while, I was watching it pretty regularly, and that was like my entry point into wrestling was Lucha Underground. <laughs> and this everything about this could have just as easily just been an episode of that show. Like wrestling is awesome. It, it, I watched it mm-hmm. obsessively when I was when I was younger. Yeah, and, and it's not to say that like I aged out of it. I stopped keeping track of it. Yeah, but like wrestling is entertainment for all ages, and it is pure entertainment and this is but this in the same way that like you have the bad guy go up against another bad guy and then it's like well i'm no supreme bad guy now and then he's like you're right we're gonna do we're gonna do a match with the two of us do a tag team with the Mm -hmm. good guys and then like i'm gonna break rules and show up out of nowhere (laughs) it's all like this whole this whole thing felt like it was basically like a lab this whole movie was like a ladder match 
Um, this whole movie is this whole movie is a fucking royal rumble yes. in a cage. You've got to climb out through the top to be the victor. This movie is a leg drop from the top of the chain link down onto your opponent in which you shatter both of you mm-hmm. by executing the move. But you're going to do it anyway for the fucking fans. Yep. You're going to put your body on the line for the fans. One other thing that wrestlers and all of these monsters have in common, they all have their <laughs> own distinct finishing moves. They do. Yeah. They really like, do. Like, you want to see Godzilla shoot the fire, the blue fire out of his mouth, just like you want to see The Rock do mm-hmm. his, like, eyebrow arch, and then say he smells <laughs> yeah. that Rock is cooking, and then do, that was, it, it's like the people's elbow? The people's elbow, The people's yeah. elbow? The you want to see elbow. him do the people's elbow? Perhaps, I, I feel like I, I've not, I, I'm sure this conversation has been had, but it really needs to be emphasized. The absolute pure, magical charisma of the rock to compensate for one of the worst finishing moves of all time all it is is a fucking elbow the people's elbow is simply an elbow it is not it is not a pile driver of any kind it is not a choke slam it is not a power bomb it is not even off the top rope it is simply a pedestrian elbow drop with a leg kick attached Mm -hmm. that is all the people's elbow is and yet the Rock is one of the great superstars of all time because it's Un- everything remarkable. other than his finishing. Like everything else is just you just everything ready for else. It. You're so ready for it by that point. I mean, yeah, like if like this would be like like the people's elbow is like if Godzilla's finishing move was just like if he slapped Ghidorah. Like that's <laughs> like he could he could breathe fucking fire down his throat. He could rip off. He could basically do the like I'm going to rip off your head and shit down your neck move, which he basically does <laughs> do. He could do that. He can turn into a nuclear blast. He could do all of that, but instead his finishing move is going to be taking his bizarrely short arm and slapping Ghidorah. Doing a little like bah! Yeah, that's yeah. his like that's his people's elbow. But he honestly I think I think Godzilla has the sauce to even carry that off. Like, I think it Godzilla, wouldn't work too well. It would be but ineffective, but it would be we would be like cheering really hard if he did a little. <laughs> if he had like his hand glowed really bright blue, and exactly, it, yeah, it became like an iron fist yeah. kind of punch. But then it's just a little slap on the face, and it just drops. You know what I would love to see from Godzilla is a I, like his body geometry doesn't really support it, but. If they could make give him like a kangaroo kick move where he could hoist up on the tail yeah. and do like a double leg kick, I would love to see if we got a little more I athleticism feel like, out of Godzilla. I feel like Reptar cool. from Rugrats did that. Like <laughs> for some reason I remember Reptar balancing on his tail at some point. So that feels like a thing that could happen. I don't I mean, see his why tail we, is incredibly the girth is yeah. astounding. No, so. God, I don't see why Godzilla couldn't. I, my only thing is that God, does Godzilla have knees? That's a good question. Like, I feel like he doesn't have, like, but I know, like, I also say that knowing that elephants have knees, but I also feel like elephants don't have knees. Right, yeah. For all intents and purposes, do they have knees? I know I mean, they, they have do knees. lift you up. They knew they do like yeah. Like, they put they the kneel, knee but I feel like they up. don't. But and Godzilla also <laughs> must have knees, so he must be able to right. to do it. But like, <laughs> I love I love the device that this movie employs. That it's like the idea of like this is real. This is a documentary. Mm-hmm. Like it does a few camera moves that are like as if you're watching mm-hmm. a nature documentary where it does this like the quick zooms mm-hmm. on its creatures. Like when it like when Godzilla gets nuke regenerated mm-hmm. by selfless Ken Watanabe. 
and he's coming up from the sea. And once he is like risen mm-hmm. and looking down at the submarine full of monarch people, the camera zooms in on his face. It's like, and now for a close up of Godzilla, like zoom, like right up to his face. And you see him kind of like blinking. <laughs> it's like, yep, there's Godzilla. And it does it too. When Mothra heroically arrives to help Godzilla fight Ghidorah and, and like the other monsters who've shown up to help, like Mothra's coming down on the descent and there's like a snap zoom yeah. into Mothra too. It's like, and now for a close up on Mothra. It's like, we should hear like ESPN 8, the Ocho announcers coming in from the mm-hmm. side to like give us the play by play of this monster fight because those those zooms feel exactly yeah, they like, feel like really real, dramatic sports. Yeah, they feel like real time you know who you know who would be great to do this announcing? Dog who? dog show announcers. <laughs> yeah. I have never heard more. There's like a clip that Get went the around. Agility announcers yes. for Westminster. Mm-hmm. There's like a video that went around the other week that was like this oh, little man. the little puppy, like not a little puppy, it was like a little small toy dog who yeah. was going and taking the long way around all of the different obstacles. Everything. That yeah. dog fucked up its course at every possible turn, but was moving like a lightning bolt, yes. so it didn't matter. And they were like, oh, going the long way, but we still believe that he can make it. And they're talking super fast, <laughs> they're talking super amped, and they're like, he's doing it the long way, but he's gonna do it. And they were so excited about the fact this dog was gonna be able to do it and take it, going up and up over the course. He's gonna make up his time that he's lost it. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and the weave, look at that weave. I I want them to be doing, I want them to call a Godzilla fight because I feel like no one else can provide that level of excitement and commitment. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It was, I was, that is, that is my new, my new dream. <laughs> that is my new dream. I love the idea of a, of a kind of like spin off in the way that the way that DC realized that the uh Snyder movies are bad and nobody wanted them and they started letting them be fun with yeah. like Aquaman and Wonder Woman and Birds of Prey I want to see the like cuz they've leaned into the fun with movies like this like give us the full like you know not him because we don't need another like another one of these movies but like the full like James Gunn offshoot style where it's like oh this is the really zany monster verse movie where it's basically something like that where it has the attitude of dog show announcers live announcing live calling mm-hmm. doing the color for a monster movie like <laughs> i would love to have a wacky maybe it's like it's just like $30 million and you only ever see like the legs of the monster come <laughs> through the frame kind of thing. Like the monsters are there by implication, but they can't afford to show you the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So they do workarounds. Like I would take a side movie of that for sure. That was just like the pure R-rated like Deadpool comedy style kaiju monster verse movie. Why not? Yeah. Well, that's so when they say the thing about, you know they're only out for a food a fight or the other thing <laughs> or something more intimate yes that's what it was, something more intimate <laughs> and i was just like yes that is and i realized i and then i had the same exact impulse while watching the mutos in the original godzilla and in, in 2014 godzilla that what i really want to see is i want to see some fucking i want to see some monster mating dances <laughs> i want oh like like the famous like spider yes, dance i want yeah. to see what their mating rituals are. And I feel like we have been deprived of this. So maybe we can get that in the R-graded comedy of just like an extended sequence of watching a very extensive like mating dance and all the intricacies of it because I I feel like we we need that. 
Rodan has moves. Like mm-hmm. when we meet Rodan, we get that incredible sequence where he the the where like American forces are completely ineffectually fighting him, and there's that incredible moment where he just like zips straight up and does like that corkscrew mm-hmm. move and like wraps his wings around himself. Then he comes back down and they're almost got him to Ghidorah. He's like right there. He's like 30 seconds away. And there's all these fighter jets on either side of him. So he just starts doing this pinwheel move and just annihilating every plane around him with his wings. That is, we see a lot of potential for such ornate mating rituals yeah. from Rodan. I, that's what I'm saying. And the Mutos, I mean, like, I'm sorry, but giving, and this is going back to the, to another movie, but the Mutos, what the, the boy Muto or the, the male gives just a nuclear bomb to the female. And I gotta yeah. tell you, that is not something that would be built into a mating ritual. <laughs> yeah. That is not, that is not something that they would have been evolved to do. You're right. But what they would have been evolved to do is like do a hop on one foot, then a hop on the other foot. And then he wiggles <laughs> yep. his butt a little bit and like lets out yeah. a call and then she nuzzles him. And I was like, that's what I fucking want. And then I want to see him mount her. Yeah. <laughs> and then I and then Amanda wants it. Amanda I wants to follow want, it through. I want, oh yeah, no, we're not, we're not doing half measures here. If we're yeah. doing Amanda wants to see kaiju sex. If yeah, I want to know. <laughs> I want to know. It's important. This is this is something that we haven't tackled, and we need to tackle it. And look, <laughs> the 1990, the 99 Godzilla almost went there and almost gave what uh-huh. it would look like if a man fucked a Godzilla. It did. It did almost give us that. But I want to know. <laughs> I want to know. I I want to. I, I want to give. Like we've talked, we've talked around it multiple times, but I just have to enumerate the tragedy of Ken Watanabe's death in this because they determine that they're going to go when after Kyle Chandler asks how many nukes you got and they're going to go down they're going to feed nukes to Godzilla to regenerate him they like a collection of like our monarch heroes go down in the bottom of the sea in a submarine and then Bradley Whitford's like okay we got to stop like the radiation's getting too high they send out drones to survey the area the drones are like consumed by the heat and radiation well, they can't launch nukes because they went, ran ran aground. They fucked up their launcher. What all, you know, everything's gone wrong. So their only option is to go plant a bomb inside and detonate it. But no, it's a one-way ticket. Nobody's coming back out. Nobody, you'd be either irradiated or you would fucking melt. You'd heat to death. So Ken Watanabe very like pensively looks down, he's like, I'll go. And everybody's like, no, there's got to be another way. He's like, there's no time for this. Like, I'll go. I'm going to finish the job. Zhang Ziyi gives him the tenderest hug, the most desperate, mm-hmm. tender hug. And then he gets in the little submersible and he goes into Godzilla's house and there's fucking lava and flames everywhere and it's very awesome. And he's like carrying this nuke suitcase up this grand stairway. I love that when Godzilla got home, yeah. he didn't just like crash anywhere. He went up to his platform. Yeah, no, he went he, like, he went to his little bed. Yeah, he went to his because Ken Watanabe has to climb yeah. like the ceremonial steps up to his up to his plateau to get to him. He didn't just come flop anywhere. He was like, No, I go to my bed now. Yeah. I, I go to my house and my special well, like, spot. He's, yeah, like, every, you know, you have, like, your comfortable spaces, your rooms. Like, yeah. Kit has, at different times in the day, there's different sp- things that he likes to lie on. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't why wouldn't Godzilla be like, no, 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 I got to go up the stairs, though. That's bedtime. Yeah, I've got to go up the stairs. Yeah. Because, like, I really need rest now. Yeah. This can't just be, like, a bad nap. Yeah. And so Ken Watanabe goes up the staircase and he's carrying the nuke suitcase and he he sets it to like however many seconds and he because he knows he's gonna die he takes off his like regulator helmet he can breathe down there there's like a pocket of breathable air in this in this chamber but he's being radiated and dying 
And he walks up to Godzilla and he touches him. He, we get in touch with the monster. Mm-hmm. He touches him on the nose and he says, goodbye, old friend. And uh, there's, of course, the amazing, like, because every time you mo- have a monster touch, the monster has to, monster, dinosaur, animal, whatever. Yeah. Anytime there's a touch, the monster has to react with almost like a purr. Yeah. Like, whether or not they're, like, that's, purr. like, they're enjoying it yeah. or that's just, like, their response to, like, contact. But you just hear his, like, Godzilla grumble. Yeah. And so then he touches him. And they are communing. And then you watch the counter go down. And then we see Godzilla's house fucking explode. And then, like, and that that does the fucking trick. That is the taking the athlete in the locker room at halftime and giving them a shot of something suspicious to get them back out on the field. That is the steroid shot in the knee right there. Mm-hmm. Because Godzilla is fucking primed and ready at that point. That is when he... Like the submersible makes it above, the sub makes it back to the the surface of this ocean, and then not too long after, that's when Godzilla comes rising out. You know, Mothra has sent him the call. He has responded. He's going into battle, and at this point, Millie Bobby Brown has taken the or has kidnapped the orca yes. from the terrorists and gone to Fenway Park to broadcast the signal as loud as possible, which doesn't quite seem necessary because that signal seemed to have quite the fucking range okay, when it was just it sitting was, in that suitcase. It, it went back and forth because sometimes it felt like okay, they had yeah. to be like seven feet from the monster. And so, yeah. like, that's why, remember when they're like leaving and they have to have the bay open and Antarctica in order to, in order for the thing to work? And it's like, well, that yes. seems... Not the most effective, but then yes. also sometimes it seems to work over long distances. So it was very in flux. It was very it was selective. Very selective. But I was impressed that Millie Bobby Brown knew the layout of Fenway of Fenway Stadium yeah. so well. Yeah, she like, went how did in she there know and Fenway up the AV system. The entire process, I was so impressed by her ability to know how to work the machine. Did she hijack a fucking car? How did she get from wherever she was to Fenway Park in any reasonable amount of time? Did she steal a car? I would assume that, yeah, she somehow, like, there's a cut scene somewhere of her, like, <laughs> fully figuring, like, riding a motorcycle, probably. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, she was there probably. Be. Yeah. Because she's not yet riding on King Kong's shoulders. Right. So she had to get to the, get around somehow. So she, you know, <laughs> rode on a motorcycle. And then yes. she figured out an AV system and broadcast yep. and also knows how to work this extremely, like, one-of-a-kind, intricate technology that only her mother can operate. Yes. And she did it, but she did it because you know what? She's Millie fucking Bobby Brown. And then she gets that, and you know, an incredible, another great moment in acting opposite nothing when she when she knows the storm is literally coming Mm -hmm. because Ghidorah's on the way because what she's doing is is sending, like, the signal out to draw all the monsters to Boston to get them to stop attacking all these various cities around the world. She taps into the alpha frequency Mm -hmm. that's like, everybody come here! So they all stop destroying the various points around the world and all make a beeline for Boston because they've got to get to the alpha frequency. So she's up on the roof of, of Fenway Park, and you get that... Again, a classic Millie Bobby Brown move. The moment of like a slow zoom on her or a fixed shot where her face just suddenly melts into terror. Yeah, when she realizes what she's done. Yeah. Yep. When it's like, oh, conceptually, I was just like bringing all the monsters here to stop them from attacking the world. The reality is, oh my God, I brought all the fucking monsters here. (laughs) Oh my God. Yep. And that's a lot to deal with. And then I, I love the, I love the, fuck it go for broke um nobody could possibly survive what's happening but people are gonna survive anyway 
experience of the the final battle. Yes. Like Millie goes home because I guess kids go home and it's like, I don't know why you think that's the safe place to go right now. Cause she starts freaking out. Cause there's all these monsters and Vera Farmiga has realized, Oh my God, I gotta get my kid back. And Kyle Chandler's obviously going to where the sound's coming from. And so he, and he's still trying to get his daughter back. So everybody's converging on Boston and there's like weaving and driving in and out of danger and catastrophe. And they're all living. They're all living. It's great. And I, I love that. I you know what? I love no stakes. I love to know that the characters I care about are going to survive. That's why in Scream 5, whatever else goes on, I don't give a shit. Sydney can't die. Sydney can't die. I don't need credibility of the franchise. I don't need there to be stakes. I don't need there to be tension. I need Sydney to live. I would prefer Gail and Dewey to live as well. I guess they could go, like, I guess if you had to make a sacrifice. But no, I'm not here to feel shitty. I will watch movies that make me feel shitty and I will deal with them. But to counterbalance that, I want movies where people will just survive impossible things and I will love them for it. Yeah. You want to you wanna watch this movie with the exact opposite feeling that we have whenever we're watching a, a disaster movie that's from Korea. Which yes. Is, we, we just – we want to be held in the safe in the safe palm of King Kong knowing that we no do. matter what, it's going to be okay. Because versus- we know we're going to watch movies like Pandora. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. And I accept that. But give, when, when I'm watching an American disaster movie yep. where we give people happy endings, fucking give it to me, man. Yep. That's why. And we lose, that's why we it, lose Vera. That was, so I did wonder. Did we lose her, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. She gets her all hail the king. Yeah. Crash. Yeah. Okay. Great. I just want to make sure I hadn't missed that. Yes, because she she ends up with the orca, right? Yeah. So she ends up like putting it in, in a car. Yeah. And being like, I'm going to draw danger away from my family. Right. And then we get another amazing crying Millie Bobby Brown moment where she realizes her mom's going to sacrifice herself to save them. Yeah. And she's weeping and sobbing. And Vera is driving with, I like you, as we've talked about so many times, humans outrunning disasters. We have a woman in a car mm-hmm. being like, I'm going to outrun Ghidorah. Yeah. I'm going to outrun this winged beast the size I mean, of Texas. What's Ghidorah 0 to 60, man? It can't be. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, but he's bringing a whole lightning storm with him. Yep. But yeah, no. And and I got to say, I was not so attached to Vera that I was upset right. about the loss. I was mostly like, yeah. well, yeah, that I kind of feel like maybe we should have lost Kyle Chandler because like that would have been a tough one. I, I feel like he would have been less useful. He was less useful. Sure, sure. Like, um, it just, I mean, emotionally, it would have been sad. Because he's, he, he, you immediately feel like he's your dad when you see Kyle Chandler playing a dad. That's true. Yeah. No, that is, that is true. But, uh, and I guess, again, going back to the Grey's Anatomy of it, like, I am mm. used to Kyle <laughs> Chandler being an expendable character. <laughs> like, nothing can shock and, can shock and devastate me to the same way that watching Kyle Chandler walk down a hallway and then just suddenly explode. Like, he just suddenly... <laughs> Is that's red- what happens to him? Oh in my Grey's god! Anatomy? He is the so my first introduction to Kyle Chandler was I feel like Jordan, you and I need to do a podcast where every week we just watch an episode of like the first season and discuss it because no, I feel like all of that all, what would have to be is just the podcast would be you rewatching I want, episodes re-watch it and then tell and you just what happens. Tell me yes. about them. Grey's is my favorite show to have no awareness of, yeah, but have it constantly kind of exist around me. Because it is persistently shocking. It is. Okay, so. I am constantly shocked so by this what was I'm the post-Super Bowl episode in season oh, oh, two. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, so, so it had the lead in. Yeah, it was season two. It was the wow. post-Super Bowl episode. A guy comes into the OR who has a bomb in his chest. Uh, it happens. 
It happens. Yeah, it honestly does. <laughs> Meredith, it honestly does. Meredith has put her hand into his chest, and now her hands are on the bomb, and the bomb squad guy is Kyle Chandler, and he's like, uh, so here's the thing. You cannot take your hand off of the bomb. And okay. so the entire episode is Meredith in the OR just like holding a bomb in her hand. Anyway, inside a man's chest. Inside a man's or it's chest. Out of his chest. Inside of a man's okay. chest. Um, so her hand's just like in a body cavity, and then oh. and then there's a bomb inside of the body cavity, and Kyle Chandler's like talking her through how to safely get it out of the body cavity. Anyway, so they successfully do it, and there's been like flirtation. You kind of think because like Meredith needs a love interest because there's this whole thing going on with Mc, with McDreamy and like yeah. We think you and you think that this guy. Thank you, yeah. thank you for jumping the, in. Like Mare Dare, Dare Mare, yeah. Yeah. whatever they call him. It was in yeah. flux at the time, so we were like, yeah, okay. This this new charming guy who she like has that good combative energy with. This is a right. thing, right? And he's so charming, and he's yeah. so charming. Anyway, she successfully hands it off to him. He takes it down. He turns. He walks down the hallway. She watches him walk down the hallway, and then all of a sudden, he's just Jordan. He's just pink mist. Oh, 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 so we were all made to think they're getting away with they're getting away. Yeah, he he's walking, presumably thinking we got it. We did it. He's walking super carefully with it. Like he's walking like a bug. Okay, it's guy. still like a live, it's still threat. A live thing. But as a okay. viewer, you're just like, oh, my God. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're just like, wait, what? What the what, what happened? Did he is he a vampire? How did he <laughs> How did he just disappear? And then you realize and she and like Meredith's now covered in his blood and like, oh, like Meredith. Like all of a sudden, like he's just Kyle Chandler is just all over the hallway. Oh, and you're just my like God. Oh God, what? Wow. Yeah. So anyway. See, I feel like I feel like if there is a future here, it's you telling me about one episode at a time of Grey's yeah. and me <laughs> telling you about one episode at a time of Pretty Little Liars. Oh my God. Yeah, I've never Look, guys, watched Pretty Little Liars before, so I can I can produce this podcast. Uh, we would definitely just need someone else to edit it because I do not have any extra time in my week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So here's the thing, listeners: petition a major <laughs> podcasting network to right, pick up if you, to pick if you up want this. this. Yes, if it's PLLV grades. Yes. <laughs> is what it's dueling shows how just um, shonda i learned shonda recently what is i think I, I, shonda did what is the title i i learned recently that sandra and this will be the end of it for grays but i learned recently that sandra o's character literally exits the show by saying like by like expressing like what the fuck is wrong with this place yeah. there's so much awful shit that happens here i'm moving to minnesota and then leaves yeah she moves to like germany <laughs> i think because she's just like yeah, everyone dies here everyone dies here yeah. like they're it, it's shouted out and i think a thing that a, a connective tissue between grays and pll is that when they when both shows realized that they were committing to the shark jump mm-hmm. they were like we're doing it but what we're going to do is we're going to put a fucking rocket on this shark yeah. and we're going to ride it on the back and we are going to fly over that line. We're not going to jump the shark. The shark's going to jump with us and we're going to ride this thing straight to hell. Honestly, like, that is what both shows really committed to and bless them for that. The fact that Grey's Anatomy never had a Sharknado hit Seattle is truly stunning. Now that you mentioned that. we're still on yeah. and it was just like going bug fuck through its like 19th season I would be in heaven yeah I would never well, stop watching that show yeah I, I mean they are rebooting it I mean I know you people working me, on you it right give now give me back Lucy you give me back Troyan and Ashley and Shay and I'm all uh-huh. in Lucy could still the- play just 
a main character at the age of 17. She just will will forever. Well, they time jump. They time jump. So the girls did get to be in their 20s by the end. I'm just saying. I'm pretty sure (laughs) she's still getting cast as a teenager. And Troy Bellisario is eternal. to a maximum home box office. <laughs> maximum home box office. Okay. Anyway. So, um, but, yes. but yes, petition petition uh, to to hire an editor so that yeah, uh, we that can, we can just, uh, have the time there we go. to make this podcast. So we'll yeah. make, that's our next, our next project. Anyway, <laughs> but the yes. point being, so my thing is, is that I am used to Kyle Chandler as a result yes. dying because of that. I have been conditioned wow. to accept that Kyle Chandler can and will in any given piece of media he could die. I've never watched Despite never dying once in Friday I was Night say, Lights. I've never watched Friday Night Lights in my head uh, in Friday Night okay, Lights. So you have no Coach Taylor in your mind. He could just take a football to the oh. eye socket and that could just drive straight through his brain and that'd be the end of it. And I'd be like, yeah, I accept that. That's just what happens to Kyle Chandler characters. Okay, that okay, that makes sense yeah. that there's been no like deprogramming, no. reprogramming. No. So I get it. Yeah. Um I I would like to, you know, to to send out the the bulk of the show. I do have to say, like the this final battle, like because you always in, these movies are always going to end with a final battle that's like negotiably, arguably too long. Mm-hmm. Like they just all do. The way this final battle crescendos is so fucking exciting. Oh yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't think of a way I would rather see a monsters or fucking robots movie end like like when you have Godzilla making landfall in Boston he has been he is tight he is he's coked out he is wound tighter than a drum he is like as if you stabbed Godzilla with every stimulant possible Godzilla is we would say horny for a fight Jordan (laughs) technical term he is fucking juiced up to his eyeballs (laughs) And this guy shows up in Boston and is just like, is literally radiating nuclear energy. Mm -hmm. And his body is pulsating with radiation. And we get that incredible Godzilla sound effect that we get used to such an amazing effect at the beginning of the movie when the humans kind of have a face-to-face with Godzilla underwater and he's like swimming up to their underground hold and he's like sizing them up. And we see like the womp won't his body pulsing and they're like what is that zizang's like oh that's like an intimidation tactic and they're like it's working (laughs) well he shows up on land and he is just like he is just he is a microwave oven and they keep like as the fight goes on between him and Ghidorah he we keep getting kind of like it's almost like we're getting like a count like countdown to explosion they're like he's gonna go nuclear like they're telling us like he's gonna in a way that you're not quite sure you're like do they mean he's fully going to explode into pieces like they they, the way they set up is like i don't actually know if godzilla's making it out of this one because he might just detonate entirely we call that going kyle chandler Going Kyle, he might go Kyle Chandler on this. <laughs> he might end up all over Ghidorah's face. Well, Ghidorah's a little bit kicking his ass because Ghidorah is kind of technically like mm, probably more powerful, but not compared to Roid Rage Zilla. And so they get in this fight. At this point, Mothra has come to his aid and Mothra has been, Mothra's been destroyed. And we see her little husk, like weepy and and kind of like cooing, and, you know, she's done her diligence. She has saved her compatriot. And it's really fucking sad. And I cried. And then we see the two the two alphas going head to head. And, you know, they're getting their punches in. Everybody's beating each, the shit out of each other with wings and tails and bites and stuff. And then finally it happens. Godzilla hits his threshold. And he starts sending out waves of 
nuclear fire toward Ghidorah. And it just like, you see his whole body's glowing yellow and mm-hmm. orange and just whoom, whoom. And it, these waves keep hitting Ghidorah and each wave like disintegrates him a little more and disintegrates him. His wings are turning to ash. Yeah. His body's like getting holes in it until finally Godzilla like has him depleted enough to where he wants him and is like ripped off all of his fucking heads at this point until he finally gets the last one where he like bites it off, throws his Godzilla head back and just like gulps down the last dominant head of Ghidorah. And like you said, does his little satisfied delicious dinner shimmy. And then he, he's done it again. He's our king of the monsters. Mm-hmm. And we all have the been monsters saved. bow before him. And all the monsters get down on their knees and they're like, we were wrong. I'm sorry. It wasn't him. It was you. Respect. Yeah. I Setting us up for Godzilla versus Kong. I would love to know. I am curious in that context why Kong did not hear the call of like why Godzilla was why why he did not get summoned along with the other Titans? I am curious. Do we think it's like a Mothra thing where he's like I'm better than that shit? Yeah, like it might, he might just be like I'm, I'm I'm not. Yeah, Mothra's like I'm queen of the monsters, and King Kong's like I'm gonna challenge Godzilla. I'm not one of these. Yeah, he also might just ran be... pick me bitches. <laughs> yeah, he might just be like I'll let them fight it out and whatever yeah. whatever's left over. I'll... Let them fight. <laughs> that is what Godzilla. That is what King Kong is saying from Skull Island. Yeah. I also, I love the moment, like, this movie does a great job with its little teases, and there's the moment where, like, Kyle Chandler's getting fully up to speed on what Monarch's been doing, and he looks at, like, the map of where mm-hmm. they've found um, Titans throughout the globe, and you, like, I pause yeah. on each of the pages to see, like, what the names were of different ones, because I'm only, like, remedially familiar with, like, Kong lore, and, like, Godzilla lore, but just seeing, like, knowing that we've not yet met Methuselah and Leviathan mm-hmm. is like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, I'm so stoked about that. Oh, big. Give me these movies forever. Get, make this fucking James Bond. I'll, give me 42 of them. I don't care. I mean, they every single time they have a new lead actor. So I'm okay. Like, you can do that. That's very doable. You can. God, I you mean, can do it. If they're going to kill Juliet Binoche in the first 10 minutes of a <laughs> film, we might yeah. as well just keep adding a new act. We can just cycle them through. Yeah, you Sally know, Hawkins just got wiped off the board. Yeah. Ken Watanabe had an emotional farewell. Vera's gone. Like, oh, fuck. Yeah, okay. Just bring in some new ones. No one has to be worried about it being like a Marvel thing where you're signed on for six films. Just be like, no, nope. nope. Godzilla's the only constant. We'll, we'll yeah. cycle you through. You're all second billing to Godzilla. Let's go. Let's mm-hmm. fucking do this. Yeah, you are. We like, we have like our, it's like the Fast franchise. Mm-hmm. Like, we just have. We have our our big beasts in place, and then the situation we set up around them, whatever, TBD, man. Yeah. They might go to space. They might fight in space. Who knows? <laughs> they, might, they might just move a big boat blocking Suez Canal. Like, who knows? Yeah, that's really definitely a problem. Like, that is cur- that is definitely one of those things that, like, needs to be solved by Godzilla, of him just, like, coming up and pushing that shit back yeah. into the canal fully with its tail, because that's insane. <laughs> reality index there's a ship still stuck in the Suez canal so everything that could happen that's crazy in this movie could because we're fucking inept yeah so like it's entirely possible if we can if we can get a boat stuck in a canal then we can definitely (laughs) we can definitely be incapable of properly containing 17 monsters around the globe 100 percent. but thinking we could have thinking we had a shot yeah that's that's very a very believable thing is is, believing that we would be able to contain all these monsters. Sure. Imminently believable. Like even Vera accepting that we are subjugated to the monsters, that like we are meant to live at sort of like their beck and call mm-hmm. in like a symbiosis. Her her 
particularly American and very human error of being like, oh, we can control it. Yeah. We'll just roll it out a little bit of time. It's like, yeah, of course you fucking thought that. Yeah, you, you thought that we could Jurassic Park this shit. We can't. Yep. We cannot Jurassic yep. Park them. So that brings us to, I think, the end of the reality. I would agree, yes. yes. But Jordan, before <clears throat> we do that, mm-hmm. Brendan Fraser's trade trade. <laughs> Brendan Fraser is trending on Twitter. You know what that means. I think I know exactly what that means. Hell yeah. It means it's time to talk a little bit about the unofficial uh, corporate sponsor, corporate partner of Brendan Fraser, which is Super Yaki. And, you know, folks, do you love movies? Do you spend your days thinking about how much you love to watch them? The good ones, even the bad ones, everyone told you not to like. It sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their lives to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. And it is also uh, recently been the occasion of their fifth anniversary. So happy fifth anniversary, Super Yaki. From super soft t-shirts celebrating the cinematic achievement that is the 2001 classic Josie and the Pussycats, to comfy sweatshirts that serve as a call to arms for all those in support of making Judy Greer America's lead. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks, and they ship with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. That is S-U-P-E-R-Y-A-K-I.com. Let's watch more movies. And of course, uh, as a special offer to all of our Disaster Divas, you can get a discount by entering the coupon code DISASTERDIVA, all caps, one word, DISASTERDIVA, at checkout. Wow. It's endlessly exciting. Look, I mean, I if anyone listened to the last episode, uh, you'll know that I am certainly a uh, a supporter of uh of, of Super Yaki and everything that they are doing over there currently. Um their their for, mummy drop was yeah. and their just in general their Brendan Fraser drop, but in particular <laughs> Fraser February that became Fraser March. Yes, but in particular, <laughs> their camping mugs that have the little the mummy drawings on them. Yes. It yes. I don't need more mugs in my life, and yet I think I'm gonna end up with more mugs in my life because those are just yeah. the cutest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, for, for, for very specific reasons, I, I definitely participated mm. in that promo, which you mentioned a minute ago. <laughs> yes, um, yes, you do. You do have I'm a... I'm being incredibly vague right yeah, now. I, <laughs> I figured... I, if you know, I, you know. If you know, you know. Spoiler alert, guys. Jason has a really weird Brendan Fraser kink. Yeah, that's what <laughs> that's it is. What so I does, mean, look, you so guys could tell the yaki. listeners. Yeah. So does Super Yaki. You guys could tell the listeners about it. I just currently can't. Right, of course. <laughs> I, uh, so does that then bring us now to what was this movie really about? Yeah. Jordan, do you want to kick it off? Sure. I, you know, I think the, the, this movie, it's, it's about our chosen family, I think, because this movie, this movie is about how, you know, even, even when we, we might judge something by, by initial impressions or first appearances, um, and decide that like, that's, that's not our people. That's not our community. Like, that's not for me. Maybe that giant, that giant kaiju the size of several buildings is like maybe it's a, a scary monster who's meant to destroy us all. I have no business. I have no business making a connection with that creature. Well, what if you do? What if you take a chance? What if you take a chance on love? What if you find friendship in a place you never expected it? What if you have a gigantic building-sized savior that is meant to restore balance to humanity and this earth and protect us like we are its little pets? 
give yourself that chance to figure that out. Don't don't start nothing, of course, and won't be nothing, as we learned from the Kong Skull Island episode. And then take it a step further. Reach out and touch some monster. And try to make a friend, try to make a, a bit of chosen family where you didn't previously expect. And who knows, you could yield amazing and wonderful results. I like that. That's really that's nice. really nice. It's really nice. That's really nice. Mine is uh, this is a movie that's really about the importance of therapy. That's right. It's the importance that's right. of therapy and self care because a yeah. whole lot of shit in this movie wouldn't have happened if maybe the family in question had just decided to go to couples counseling and put their daughter into therapy. It's true. And I really feel like maybe Kyle Chandler, who just just had abandoned his daughter to literally the wolves. Yeah. I mean, I guess technically he abandoned to go to the wolves. Yes. Um, but very clearly, he did not process that trauma. He and his wife have not processed the trauma of losing a child particularly nope. well. And through a lot of this- As he says, he just went straight to the bottom of the bottle. Yeah. Well, and as I watched this movie, I just kept thinking- I bet therapy could have really solved a lot of this. And likewise, yes. we see Godzilla engaging in some self-care that's very important. You know, yes. There's, um, he takes a time he out. He takes a time out. He recharges. There's a, in, in kind of, when you talk about like chronic pain and chronic illness, there's this whole thing like spoons analogy, um, which I'm a really big fan of. And that's- Interesting. Yeah. The idea is basically like if you, you, you need, in order to do tasks, in order to do things in your life, you need spoons, right? You like go into your drawer and like, hmm. And so every, I, I'm probably I'm breaking this down not well, but basically like assume that everything that you do requires a spoon. So you go and you go about your day and you run your errands and that's spoons and then you have to go you know to work and that spoons is all these things. Eventually you run out of spoons in the drawer and you need to run that's the dishwasher mm-hmm. and react and you don't have any spoons. So you have mm-hmm. to give yourself some time to clean the spoons, put them back in the drawer, <clears throat> and then restart. Mm-hmm. That's a very simplified version of the of this whole spoon analogy. Sure. Likewise, we see that with Godzilla. He he takes some time, recharges his spoons. Yes. Um, and he then is able to go back out and save the world because Godzilla understands the importance of taking care of yourself. It's true. You know, Mothra understands that sometimes what you have to do is you have to be there for your friend and you have to provide them with the strength they don't have or maybe just, you mm-hmm. know – Goddamn right. Mothra's been taking care of herself. Yes, Mothra, Mothra, the queen of self-care, but then ultimately sacrifices, not in vain. She knows when her sacrifice is warranted. And that's when she steps up. Mothra also knew who when she was being used. Yeah. And she was like, you know what? I'm opting out of that toxic relationship, Mm -hmm. Ghidorah, because this isn't about for what's best for everybody. This is what's about what's best for you, and you would be using me. To further your own agenda at the expense of my friend? No. Yeah. I will not help you, Ghidorah. Just because you can offer me power or privilege or access, I will stand by my principles because because Mothra takes care of herself and hangs out in her spa, yeah. in her waterfall in spa. In her waterfall spa. So that's my thing. So that's what I would say this movie. This movie is about um, – is really a, a strong argument for the importance of therapy, self-care, and um, understanding – and like even the monsters themselves ultimately – serve as a form of kind of regen- a regenerative purpose, right? That's like in their, best, in their best scenario, they're regenerative. They show up because we have not taken good care. Mm-hmm. The Titans come back to restore balance because we humans have not done our necessary but, caring for ourselves and our homes. Jordan, as we have seen from one particularly toxic person that um, has been, that we have both been associated with, 
Um, Sometimes people can use therapizing for evil. Yes, they really can. And you know who fucking uses- Those fucking cowards. Yeah, those fucking cowards who do shit and act like they're going to be good in a foxhole. And then it turns out they're actually little snivelly cowards- yeah, spineless fucking stupid assholes. Not that he's ever going to listen to this Don't podcast. Worry, guys. We're not talking about anybody in particular, disaster divas. This Absolutely is all not. in the abstract. Totally abstract. We yeah, we're certainly not talking about one specific person who utterly dropped the ball on all of their interpersonal responsibilities and is a total fucking failure as an adult. This is completely And what has been a failure since he was a teenager, by the way. Yeah, hypothetically speaking. Theoretically. Guys. Yeah. All I'm saying is you can use my name if you need to. <laughs> just at him. Just at Jason Come next on. time. David <laughs> Jadler? <laughs> Famously known as. Yeah. Anyway, he doesn't listen to this podcast. Of course not. He never replied to either of our text messages when we reamed, when we reamed him out for being a failure of a human. That's right. We'll put you. We'll we'll secretly put you on blast if you run afoul of us, friends. So, <laughs> listeners, I need you to know that I know just as little about this situation <laughs> as you do. Be warned. We're be warned. We're emotional. <laughs> the point being, we've yes. seen how somebody can use therapy language, yes, to control and manipulate. And you know what fucking Ghidorah does? Ghidorah's like, mm-hmm. oh, we're going to use all of your superpowers, not yep. for the good. That you guys are all intending, we're yeah. going to use it for evil. Yeah. And sure as shit, Godzilla, having learned self-care, having yes. internalized these important messages, knowing mm-hmm. how to approach a healthy relationship, Godzilla teaches them that. And I just wish yes. that Kyle Chandler and Vera Farmiga had learned likewise that <laughs> yes. instead of turning to terrorism and wolves. Yeah, if for nothing else, the benefit of their daughter. I their really teen daughter who's very impressionable. Yes, who, dear God, is never going to have a normal human relationship. <laughs> never, ever. No, like the you know who she needs to be adopted by? She needs to be adopted by the Rock from Rampage. From oh wow, yeah. yeah. Davis needs to be like you're right. Humans are awful. Come to me and my dogs and my gorillas. We'll yeah, be you'll fr- be like yeah, you'll be my adoptive child and my apprentice. Yeah. And then she can just be like, yeah, you're right. Because I really want – kept. there was one thing that I did that we didn't talk about, which is that I really did feel like at certain points as if she could very well commune with the – I thought – I was like waiting for her to, to mentally speak to all of the monsters – in my in my head, I had I like when I like rewatching this in my head leading up to it, I had decided mentally that that is how Mothra calmed down. I completely took Orca out of the like the yeah. Mothra being born scene, and in my head, Millie Bobby Brown enters that chamber with Mothra and her mom, and her presence just calms Mothra. It is indeed the Orca machine and the frequency that is the alpha frequency but that it is used. Feels but I was like, like it could have oh no, been. in this movie, she is in sync with the Titans, and she's like their Millie she's Bobby like Brown their human. might actually be a Titan. We don't have proof yeah, like, she isn't. Yeah, it's like it's like she's it's like she has Titan DNA. It would be one of those things where she has Titan DNA. Yeah. Like she's it's like it's like Wonder Woman. Like she's she was born of clay. Like she's a jar. She was born of like a jar of clay and was like imbued with the power of the Amazons and like Zeus and shit like that. That's in my head. Millie yeah, what Millie in this exactly. So that's why I'm so I. That is, I do, I do think that it, uh, that she can never have a normal human relationship, and probably <laughs> probably does need to just go be with Davis and the gorillas. Um, but that's what I think this movie is about, Jordan. Do you have any fantasy casting for this? I mean, I feel like now that we've mentioned it, I would just put The Rock in it instead of like I like Kyle Chandler yeah. in this in this role, but like I guess I would make The Rock Kyle Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> I I honestly 
By, because a, a you can't, why not think about him as why not think of Vera Farmiga as his ex? Also, well, yeah, I mean that's just <laughs> in the long running list of inexplicable ro- the Rock exes in films. Yes. Why not throw her in the list? I love it. But I I did actually consider that, but then I was like, it's almost too hard to see the Rock with his comically like with his Titan esque human perfor- like proportions yes. with Godzilla. It's almost too much. The role would have to change dramatically. Well, that too, yeah. Um, be- yeah, because, like, there would have to be a moment where he does something, like, he wouldn't, like, punch Ghidorah, but he would have to, like, there would have to be multiple moments where his physical might yeah. it was instrumental in changing the composition of scenes and events instead of just, like, a concerned father. And there, like, and there absolutely would be a joke made by somebody in the Monarch headquarters who's like, is this one of the other Titans? Yeah, exactly. Be, exactly. He's, like, eating 17 fish at once. Or, like, somebody says something about mating rituals and there's, like, a dick mm-hmm. comment and he's like, ah, I've seen bigger. Yeah. Like, you know, it, something like that. And we'd love it, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, I would. It would be so charming. I would be into it. It would be so endearing, even. The, I, I do feel like we're going to have to get to, like, Godzilla 7 and then we'll get The Rock. Right, yeah. yeah. He can come in, like, maybe when it's kind of starting to sputter a little bit, yeah. he'll come in and just, like, revive the franchise. Well, he's like going to he Fast and fast. Furious, yeah. He's going to Fast yeah. and Furious it. Um, now, do you have fantasy So casting? the only change I'm making to it, Jordan... Is yes. I'm removing Thomas Middleditch because oh well, such such a loss, such a yeah, such, such a, a tragic loss. loss. I'm going to replace him with Miles Teller. Oh, <laughs> and he's getting stepped wow. on. And now is Sally Hawkins living? No, is it a trade? Are they okay? They both died. no, 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 no. I, I, no, sorry. Sally Hawkins lives. Yeah, I like. I prefer Miles that. Yes. Teller is going to be stepped on in Antarctica. Yes, that's great. And it's just that's he's going to be there, and then all of a sudden you're just going to hear whoop. And he's yeah. just going to be gone. Yeah. Just going to be gone. And that's, that's great. And that's what we're going to, we're going to give him a really good death. And then like, <laughs> and then like Gadira is going to kind of wipe his, his little foot against the grid and like try to get him off. Yeah. Try to get like, Miles Teller like, off his, his claws. Yeah. Like the way that you, when you're like, oh man, I stepped in dog shit. And then you like kind of scrape your shoe along the grass. Yes. We're going to see Gadira do that. Yeah. And he's just going <laughs> to leave. In the snow. In the snow. And there's just going to be a big red streak of snow. And everyone's going to be like, Wow. Okay, anyway. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. So that would be that would be my addition. Okay. Well then that brings us to the the matter of what's next week, correct? Uh, Towering Inferno's door. Oh god, Towering Inferno's. It this is this is five full ass burning buildings. <laughs> I fucking love this movie. This movie is a perfect monster experience to me. I like I eat like in my living room, I was standing up being like, Yeah. Like I was so pumped at monster reveals, at monster fights. I like again. I cry intermittently throughout the third act. I'm loving Millie Bobby Brown. I'm loving that she's a child and gets to act like one. All of it. I it's it's working. For, it's firing on every cylinder for me. Five towering for all right. Cool. I'm I'm going four point five. It's great. I, I enjoyed it. Great. I there are a couple things I was just like man. I I would probably give it five if I had more monsters. Oh, okay. Like I do. I do feel like there were just time. I was like I don't want. This. We are tempted. We are tempted with a lot of them. We so are tempted. I with a lot. I, it's just. We were promised 17. <laughs> we, we weren't. You can't give check off 17 monsters. I wanted. And then not, yeah, and not give me at least 12. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then like there were just I my one thing was just the family dynamic of it. I was just like, meh, mm-hmm. meh, give me okay, meh, yeah. give me more monsters. Yeah. Just give me, just give me more. I loved 
I loved when Vera gives her like villain monologue Mm -hmm. and A, when she gets off the phone and Charles dances like, now that you've told all your friends what we're doing, (laughs) like that wasn't, it's like, oh shit, that wasn't part of the plan. She wasn't supposed to villain monologue. (laughs) But then as soon as she cuts off, like as soon as the call gets cut off, Zhang Ziyi just looks at the screen and goes, that bitch. (laughs) It's like, yes! I I feel like we could have- I'd be pissed if I were her. We should have had so much more of her. I really, she was, I loved her. I hope I like. I don't know if she's in Godzilla versus Kong, but I want her and her twin. I yes. want the I want the twin characters in the next movie. I if we don't get them, I'm demanding a spinoff specifically for them. <laughs> yeah, there's so many spinoffs I need. Oh yeah. All right, so Jordan, you know what we get next week? Yes, we are coming to the we are coming to the crescendo the with Godzilla. The the conglomation. The conglomation of of our Kongzilla month. It is Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. And there is no easy answer to this question. I don't care what any of you think. There is no easy answer to this. Godzilla has him on size. Kong has him on hands, agility, ability to use, and as we establish, make weapons. Like Kong has thumbs, Godzilla has nuclear power. So it's a real 50-50 shot here, guys. It's real tough, and... To uh, joining us to discuss that movie will be my dear friend and also uh, podcast co-host for Austerion, Sam Weinman, who this is not a person who watches action movies, ladies and gentlemen, friends of mine. Um, it's it's rare. Like he does sometimes it's rare that he's really able to dial in and enjoy an action movie, but he has an emotional attachment to Godzilla versus Kong. I've been trying to find a way to get him on the show. I'm thrilled that we're getting him on. I can't. This is finally, this is finally the way in. So I am psyched for Sam Weinman to be joining us. Can't wait to. So that, so Godzilla versus Kong, who really should have sponsored us. Like, let's be real, HBO. Yeah. Come on, guys. Kind of screw you guys. Like, lost opportunity here. Just saying. Yeah. Um, so Godzilla vs. Kong will be coming out on uh, March 31st, which is Wednesday. So the day that mm-hmm. this podcast comes out um, will be the day that it is available for streaming on HBO. It is also going to be in theaters if you are going to go to a theater. Um, yeah, if you've got those Vax shots and, and are comfortable going to a theater near you. It will be in theaters. So this will be – so we'll be bringing you that next week. And until then, Jordan, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jorcrew, J-O-R-C-R-U, and Patreon at patreon.com slash Cruciola. And before too terribly long, uh, there will be a new podcast emerging for me. That's just a li- another little movie mini pod where we focus on one film specifically. And uh, th- I will have more inf- info on that in the next couple weeks. And then, as always, you can listen to all those wonderful backlogged episodes of Otsterion waiting for you. All right. And Jason, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jason Halftones, uh, and you can check out uh, the podcast at thatmightbecool.com, including one that just launched, uh, Lord of the Rings Sentence, which uh, is Chad Oliver reading the Lord of the Rings saga one sentence at a time. What? Oh my god. What? It's absolutely insane. Uh, I told him he could uh, do this podcast on my network as long as he committed to finishing the entire thing. I was going to say, so you guys are in it for the long haul for the next several decades, oh, huh? Don't say us guys. Yeah. Look, I, <laughs> I'm producing no, I, it. But... No wonder Jason doesn't have time to edit our Grey's Anatomy no. Pretty Little Liars podcast. Yeah. Here's the thing. I, I No, I am not. All I am doing is providing a platform for him to, wow. to go on this journey. I am not editing. I am not. <laughs> the artwork is not mine. 
Literally, I'm just allowing him to do this on Does my network. Does he provide like context or analysis with the sentence? Or is it just I read yeah, oh, a sentence yeah. and then I log out? No, there, there's there's discussion. There's guests. Wow. Uh, I'm on the first couple episodes. Um, there's there's, you know, definitely insight. Um, wow. It's it's it's. You know, the 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 initial, I think, premise is just that he's reading a sentence, um, but it is kind of a life sentence to reading Lord of the yeah, Rings. At it this is point a because, life sentence. Yeah, unless we unless you were to go to daily kind of recording is, technology by the time he's even on the next book. Yeah, this is this yeah. is basically oh, yeah. like he's doing the the minute podcast version of the movies. Uh huh. It's it's basically the 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 initial idea, like in terms of if we're gonna you know sort of break the 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 fourth wall of irony for a second. <laughs> uh, uh, the idea is to take the minute podcast to their absolute extreme yeah, logical that's conclusion exactly, and try yeah. to do the most extreme version of it. Clearly, um, and so he's he's having fun with it. I think it's a good show. Uh, right. So definitely check that out. It Alrighty, just launched. yeah, I appreciate that commitment. <laughs> God damn! Wow. <laughs> All right. Um, well, yeah. I'm. You can find me still never having read any of those books, uh, no matter how hard oh, my dad yeah. tried to get me to read The Hobbit as a kid. <laughs> Same. I still haven't watched the movies in their entirety. I fall asleep every time I try oh, to watch wow. them. Oh wow! Okay. Huh. Yeah. Look at that. I mean, there's a lot. I just. I, there's a lot of nap times swords, for it. <laughs> swords and magic just don't get me for some reason. Uh, okay. Not Anna a, loves not those a, movies, not a and she keeps trying to get me. Sorcery kind of guy. Definitely not. Okay. Yeah. Got it. I'm trying though. Just you know. Do have a couple nine hour energies and then just plow plow through half <laughs> nine of one. hour. I don't. What, oh, is it yeah. a five hour? I, I don't know. However many hours. Yes, it is five hours. I don't know. Have a early, nine hour energy. Early in Quar, uh, my girlfriend, meth. the lovely and talented Anna Dresden, tried to get me to watch all three of them, and we just we did not make it through the first one. Um, <laughs> that really. But we're we're going to try again. Given given how <clears throat> tenuous all of being in a relationship during quarantine what like is in general, having like. I was also, I can't imagine also being like, let's subject each other to nine to 10 hours straight of film. That is yeah. so much. <laughs> that yeah. is so yeah. much. It's, it's a lot. Um, well, impressive. <laughs> and uh, Amanda, yeah. where can we find oh, you? I am Amanda R. Tubbs on Twitter, and that's Tubbs with two Bs. Two Bs. Two Bs. And um, that's where I am. And then, of course, all I right. am on, like, that's, that's all I have to promote. Um, and then I, we have the pod, you can find our podcast Twitter account is disaster underscore pod. We're disastergirlspod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, guys, please rate and review us. It is and like yeah. share us on Twitter, tag people you think might like us. Just spread yeah. when, you know, when your friend does that, like, Hey, do you have any podcast to recommend thing? <laughs> you do. You in fact now, do. You do. One thing I will say is uh, between this podcast and uh, Comic Book Workshop, which are sort of the two, you know, flag bearing podcasts of of that might be cool. Wow. Com, go us. Uh, both podcasts had a record breaking month this month for downloads. What? Kongzilla, man, look yep. at us. And actually, and actually. This month is the first month that Disaster Girls, uh, the first month since uh, Comic Book Workshop came back, that Disaster Girls has topped Workshop wow. in, in uh, number of episode wow. downloads. Suck it, Comic Book Workshop. <laughs> I know, and that's that's hey, that's my pet project too. And I had not only that, I had one of my favorite interviews of all time this month, which was a record breaking episode for Workshop. Oh, but, good. But instead, but, but we yeah. bested. Well, we had we had a real Kong v Godzilla setup in the guest yeah, lineup. We with, did uh, have Van yeah. Van Lathan and Shay Serrano. Yeah, particularly. I will say Van and Shay um definitely came in. They were they were ringers if you will. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, they really they really were yes. in every They pushed sense. some numbers up there. 
Yeah, we so, were cooking the books on that. But also, one. Matt Kolsky, <laughs> I know that you're not, li- I mean, not, you're not listening. Yes, but you were also yeah. a special lady. There's Bobby. no better emotional addition to the pod than Matt Kolsky. Yes. No I'm just saying, better. No look, better I emotional a, compliment. This month on Workshop, I had Matt Fraction, who is the writer That's of the amazing great. Hawkeye comic yeah. that inspired the upcoming Disney That's Plus series. Awesome. Uh, no, that's, that's Rodney Rodney here. Barnes. That's elite. Yeah. That's like that's yeah. fucking elite. Yeah. It's truly like so bo- both podcasts had very good months this month. So uh if the listeners want to help us build on that momentum and bring in some some new yeah, audience bring members, them in, friends. Bring them in. Come on, do. guys. We're counting. Give Disaster those ratings Divas, and reviews. Share us around. Share us, rate, review. We're counting on all y'all. Hell yeah. And eventually at some point, you know, we also will have at one day we'll have a screening party. <laughs> yeah. And I promise I will not um, whisper read and ad read in the middle of an episode at 5 a.m. Uh, uh, that often. I like it. It's almost like ASMR. <laughs> it truly, I felt so weird doing it. <laughs> just, Anna was so tired. She had such a late night and had to be up in the mornings. So I'm like in the other room, just like, hi, uh, I, I want to tell you about Super Yaki. <laughs> <laughs> it's like someone's whispering it, it, whispering the ad into your ear. I like it. Yeah. It's, it's, Have yeah. you heard it's, about it's, Super Yaki? It's incepting you. Yeah. It's incepting yeah. you with Super Yaki, which is the next I'm, level of advertising. Absolutely. That is. I've actually, I've been talking to Andrew at Super Yaki about trying to figure out a way to sort of uh, inject, you know, subliminal advertising. Oh, good. That scene does that, doesn't it? It does, actually. It's Super Yaki paid for the books. (laughs) (laughs) Super Yaki is 5G. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, you guys. Well, Well, I guess that's the end of our episode. Guys, see y'all back next week for Godzilla vs. Kong. Yeah! That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>